This is the Cover to Cover podcast, informative and enlightening conversation best paired with the Cover to Cover four-year Bible reading schedule. For more information about Cover to Cover, to sign up for text or email devotions, or to simply just read the Bible along with us, go to covertocoverfc.org. Thank you for joining us in this podcast. My name is Andy Schultz. I'm the online ministry coordinator here at Faith Church, and I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Brian Denner, the pastoral theologian here. Brian, it is so great to have you. It's great to be here and to be part of this endeavor. Well, we're going to journey for four years together, so get comfortable. I hope you brought some snacks. I'll be here the whole time. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) So, of course, as as I mentioned, this coincides uh, with a four-year Bible reading plan. So just as we're getting started, we want to make sure that you're signed up for it. You can find out more information, cover to cover, fc.org. We also know that people will be joining us at different times uh, as we go, but this does start in March of 2023. But wherever you join us, we're glad that you're a part of us. So, you know, cycle all the way through the end and then kick, you know, join us again next time around. But those signups are happening right now around at least Faith Church and elsewhere. So sign up at coveragecoverfc.org. Now, what is this? This is a podcast, of course. Are we going to be preaching sermons here? No, we are not preaching sermons. We're not going to get into deep exegesis here. We are not doing devotionals. This is not a daily devotional. The four-year Bible reading plan known as Cover to Cover, that's where you're going to get that. If you sign up for that, you'll get a daily text, a daily email that will have one chapter of the Bible, six days per week, Sunday excluded. And with that, you will also get a daily devotional. And so we believe that if you do that, you can slowly, of course, over a four-year period, take in the entirety of Scripture, which we're very excited about, and we're kicking off a new cycle here in 2023. So that's the goal of this. This is an accompanying piece that will coincide with your reading. And so there will be some background here. We're going to talk about that a little bit later as we kick off the plan. There will be some context for each book as we go along. We're going to highlight some important items along the way. Now, some we're going to talk about on this podcast, and we're only releasing this a couple of times per month. So you're getting 12 chapters every time you hear us one time. So we're going to have a lot to cover. Does that mean that we think some things are more important than others? Probably not, right? We believe that God is speaking through all of the text, But because we are just having a short amount of time with you here in this podcast, we're going to lift up some of those things um, that are important because there's nothing in Scripture that's there by accident. But we're going to try to find some of those confusing things. And Brian, that's why you're here to kind of unpack some of those things with us. Well, I'll do my very best. And and maybe it's one other insight is, yeah, we're not going to be able to cover every question you might have or every detail. But part of the goal is to get you going deeper, knowing that you will spend the rest of your life digging deeper, that... You know, I've read through now the Bible many times through, and each time I'm finding new things. So you'll find new things, so not everything will be covered, but if you do it again, you'll find new things as well. Absolutely, and we know there's a lot of uh, traditions that are tied to different translations of Scripture. I will tell you that the, that the covertocoverfc.org, the official translation of that plan, will be the Christian Standard Bible, which is new for us here at Faith Church, specifically in 2023, uh, but we'll also, in, for conversation purposes, use the ESV, the English Standard Version, kind of as we go along. So we're not limiting to these, just, you know, we don't believe these are the only two appropriate translations, but for the, the purposes of this podcast, we will use those two. Now, is there a best way to read Scripture? There really is not a best way to do it, but here's kind of what we're going to recommend as we go along and journey for the next four years together. Uh, We recommend, and this is an acronym 
SOAPS, S-O-A-P-S. We believe that the first S, uh, to make this really the best experience possible, would be to study, to maybe as you read along, to underline or highlight key words and phrases in your Bible. Now, Brian, I know that's a little scary because the Bible looks... Mm -hmm. You know, it looks so official. Like I shouldn't mark, I shouldn't mark it up and highlight yeah. it and put my put pen in it. But you can really see some things kind of come to life as you take notes. Yeah, I mean, the the, the words of scripture are are holy, but the the printing version of it, you know, you feel free to underline because the goal is to get the word into you, not have the word be on the page. And that when you underline things like that, you you think about those deeper. So feel free to do so. In fact, we encourage you to, to take advantage of those opportunities to dig deeper by highlighting, underlying, whatever that might look like. So God won't be upset if I write in my Bible. If he, uh, He'd be upset at me if that's the case, because I have some <laughs> of those underlines as well. So study is the, is the essence. Soaps observe, right? What is the big idea or the main point that God is trying to communicate to me through that passage today? And that's one question you can kind of mm -hmm. ask yourself throughout the day. Yes, the devotional will point you maybe one direction, but you can soak in that throughout mm -hmm. the day as well. So you've got study, observe, uh, in soaps, apply is the A. What is the passage teaching me to do, right? Or to obey in God's word? Maybe asking yourself, how can I seek to learn and live the truth from God's word as I apply? So we have study, observe, apply. What's the P? It's pray, mm -hmm. right? Pray for God's strength and provision to live out his truth in his word. And then finally, S, and this is one thing that I think we can really see uh, some power in, and that is to share, mm -hmm. to, to end soaps. Share. Who can I share this with over the next 24 hours? Brian, you've probably seen that in your own life where God speaks to you something very specific that day through his word, and then you can't wait to tell someone else about it. Yeah, and just the recognition that the Bible is, is for me, but often the way I also grow more into it is by, by sharing it with others. And so, yeah, first and foremost, say, what's God saying to me? But don't let it stay with you. The goal is to get it out, to get it out to others. Um, so take that and say, maybe there's someone else that needs to hear this. And in the past few years or past few months, I've been posting, you know, Bible verses that stick out to me on, on Facebook and just seeing it encourages other people saying, oh, I needed that verse today or just swapping with someone. It's amazing how often they say, I need to hear that. So maybe God's speaking to someone else's, speaking to someone else through speaking to you that day as you read God's word. Perfect. Well, I am excited for this, and we've got a lot to get to as we kick off cover to cover, so let's get it started. As we read Scripture together, one of the ways that this podcast will be able to supplement along the way is preparation. When each new episode is released twice monthly, we'll be preparing you for what's ahead. That means we'll cover the background information leading up to a book that is upcoming. Since the first book in the cover-to-cover four-year reading schedule is Mark, let's start there. Brian, there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all document the earthly ministry, the life of Jesus. So let's start with an overall conversation about why there might be four separate books that seemingly cover a lot of the same historical narrative. Yeah, and that's... Uh, it's a I'm very passionate. I love the fact that there are four Gospels in the Bible that get the story of Jesus told in four different perspectives. And likely that's happening because there's probably um, so different audiences and different, different authors writing to different audiences. So they're each going to highlight different things in the same way um, that we're talking about things differently maybe on this podcast for the audience we have versus what we might say in a sermon versus we're saying the same, saying the same book or the same details, 
but presenting them in different ways. And so what's likely happening is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all writing in different times, in different places, drawing on the eyewitness testimony. It's all true story, all with the same overarching narrative. Things don't change and shift, but they're going to highlight different details for different people. And what I love about that is this reminder that the story of Jesus encounters people in different ways. Uh, that different people in different situations will hear the same story and they'll apply it differently to their lives because of their circumstances. And so I think the fact that we have these four, I mean, they could have just had one gospel. Mm-hmm. God gives one story of Jesus. That's the way you see the stories of Abraham and, and for the most part, Moses and others is one story. But Jesus, I think, because it's so important, is highlighted in four ways to connect with so many different people in different categories. So we'll talk about the gospel of Mark specifically. So what is this all about? Well, Mark is, of course, the actions and the teachings of Jesus. It's a gospel narrative you know, type of book. And so, of course, we're going to talk about different genres of books within the Bible. We're reading about exactly what Jesus did, how he healed, and what he taught, and what he said along the way. And, of course, that he was um, you know, crucified and resurrected. That's covered in there. But, you know, for example, the, the birth narrative that we read right around Christmas time, that's only covered in Luke, not here in Mark. So Mark picks up right away, kind of right into it. It's it's, it's fast, it's quick, there's a lot going on right, right early on. Yeah, I always like to compare the Gospel of Mark as kind of like an action movie. It just jumps right in. There's not a lot of backstory, just boom, happens right in there. And these Gospels, I think the best way to view them is they're ancient biographies, which is different than contemporary biographies. Contemporary biographies, you want to know, what was their childhood like? How did they grow up? And what was their family like? Ancient biographies didn't do that. They focused on the public ministry, the public life. So that's really what you see in the Gospel of Luke, I mean, Gospel of Mark especially, is the public life of Jesus. He's moving there, so it's in line. So even the way it's written is historical, but not in the way that we write history today. It's writing in accordance with the way people write history in the, in the ancient times. So when we look at the name Mark, we don't read about a Mark in the Gospel. This is not someone that was right next to Jesus writing everything down as, who is Mark? We believe Mark is someone that's maybe writing on Peter's behalf in Rome. Is that correct? Yeah, so most likely it's, it's John Mark. That's been the person who's been attributed to this gospel through all, based all of church history. Nowhere in the gospel itself is there a title. It's technically anonymous, but again, tradition is really universal on John Mark, who was a companion of Paul for a time. You actually will find him in the book of Acts in different places, uh, but has been most closely aligned with Peter, probably writing with Peter, maybe kind of taking his his memoirs, if you will. So it's almost Peter through Mark. That's where he's getting the testimony, but Mark's the one putting pen to paper. And then the specific audience in this case, Mark, and this is what I've read, and maybe you can speak to this more, specifically geared at Gentile Christians. All right, we'll talk about this as we kind of go along in the story, really, for well, for four years, really, as we read Scripture, right? But Gentile Christians, these are the non-Jewish newly converted Christians that are now learning about this, maybe this Jewish history without that kind of background. We see that illustrated throughout Mark, that maybe they are the intended audience. Yeah, and, and most of it thought that maybe it's written to particularly Gentile Christians who are maybe in the Roman area or in Rome who might be suffering for their faith, that kind of back backdrop. But there's all these little details. Mark will explain some details that other uh, other evangelists, other gospel writers might not explain because their Jewish audience might understand these, but he'll kind of unpack those things to a fair degree or put things maybe in a Roman context or Roman way. 
um, for the audience. I noticed as I was preparing for the podcast, this stuck out to me, uh, Mark chapter 7. I feel like a perfect example of maybe explaining things for a Gentile audience. Uh, right at the beginning of Mark 7, it says in the CSB uh, translation, it says, The Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him. That's Jesus, of course. They observed that some of his disciples were eating bread with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. So it has to kind of unpack that here, and it continues on in verse 3. And it's actually in parentheses in the text that we have. It says, For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial Mm -hmm. washing, keeping the tradition of the elders. And it kind of goes on and on there, kind of explain what that's all about. Is that sort of the... The theme, right? So in this case, the Gentile audience. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons I like to start with the Gospel of Mark. That's why we're starting this cover-to-cover plan is you don't – it doesn't assume as much background knowledge maybe as as a Jewish gospel like Matthew might assume that Mark's going to explain some of those details so you can jump in uh, and kind of come right off the bat. And it's very action-packed and really sets the framework, if you will, when you read Mark and you know Mark's story – then when you read Matthew and Luke, you see new things emerge. So I like how Mark establishes his baseline and maybe has a little bit, um, most of us reading the, the gospel are going to be Gentiles. So to, to have that backdrop, those things explained, makes it a little bit more accessible to us to start this journey into the Bible and ultimately this journey to meet and follow Jesus in new ways. And then, and then finally, as we prepare uh, to read the Gospel of Mark, is there any sort of overarching theme here? I, I know I, I read in the ESV Study Bible, which is produced by Crossway, it says, that this maybe was intended to present and defend Jesus' universal call to discipleship. Is that sort of a theme that we see throughout? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that that Mark will emphasize, and you'll see Jesus talking on multiple occasions about his suffering and then this call to follow him. And so if we follow Jesus, what do we follow him into? We follow him into suffering. Um, So we might have to suffer for our faith on his behalf and not to be afraid of that. So really, I think that is in the backdrop of this call to follow Jesus and follow him, not just in the good times, but you'll see that the challenge of Jesus to, to follow him uh, and to know that ultimately he is victorious. So we follow him to the cross, but we also follow him to the empty tomb and have that hope. That's great. Well, there's an overview now of the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to dig in a little bit more now to some specifics here in just a moment. As we want to guide you through the scripture in the cover-to-cover plan, our mission is not to hit everything along the way. We know the daily discipline of reading scripture will allow God to speak to you through it. So we won't go chapter by chapter or verse by verse often in our discussion. Rather, we want to highlight some things to notice along the way, maybe some challenging or hard to understand passages, just things that struck us that were really interesting. So Brian, I want to bring this one up first. We were talking about it a little bit before. Uh, in Mark chapter 8, there is a healing of a blind man. Uh, It says this in verse 22. It says, They came to Bethsaida. They brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and brought him out of the village, spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on them. He asked him, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking. Again, Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes. The man looked intently and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Then he sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Now, that's the healing like we've seen many others mm-hmm. in the Gospel of Mark. There's something different about that one. What is it? Yeah, often when you read this story, the first thing that stands out is 
says that Jesus spit on his eyes and, and did that. And that's like, that's weird. That's the weird thing. And, and there's the element Jesus doesn't just speak it into happening like you see other occasions. Now, that was a common way that miracles would be done. But I think the more striking thing when you think about this is this two-phase element that Jesus heals him. But first, is his eyesight's not 20-20. It's 2200 still. He's, now he can see things, but he doesn't quite see clearly yet. And then Jesus comes, and now he sees clearly after that second element. Why two phases? Is Jesus' power dim, dim, you know, dwindling as the, the story goes? Is Why is he not able? Because obviously we, Jesus, he could he bring the whole healing. And I think what this is doing is it's setting up basically this overarching frame of the Gospel of Mark that you see the disciples, they get who Jesus is, but not really. Throughout, they see him doing these miracles. They're saying, but they're constantly asking, who is this man? What kind of man is this? And even in the next moment, the very next story after the healing of the blind man is Peter confessing that Jesus, you are the Christ. And Jesus says, who do you think I am? He says, you are the Christ. But there, Peter's conception of who Jesus is, is this conquering Messiah who's going to, to come and go, you know, go to Jerusalem and throughout the Romans. And that's not the Messiah who Jesus is. He's the one to go suffering. And so the next few chapters, what does Jesus do? He tells him again and again and again that I will suffer and that greatness is found not by having people serve you, but by serving others. And so what's going on is the disciples can see Jesus, but like that blind man, they only see him kind of. And now he's instructing them so they see him more clearly of who he really is. And what's interesting is the last, the kind of the last miracle before Jesus then goes into Jerusalem is what? Another healing of another blind man. Mm-hmm. There are kind of these bookends between Jesus teaching on his suffering. And so I think this picture of the, the two-stage healing is is a picture of the two-stage, you know, view of Jesus that the disciples have, and we probably have as well. This, you know, throughout the Gospel of Mark, you see the disciples, they don't get it, which is reassuring because I often don't get it. I'm still <laughs> growing and learning. I think, I think yeah. we all are. So we, we kind of feel like those disciples and that Jesus is patient and continues to bring the, the healing touch to our lives. Yeah, and there's that moment in Mark 10 where and there's a couple of times where it's pointed out that the disciples are arguing amongst themselves, right? A couple of yeah. times where Jesus says, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're, you know. And then in Mark 10, it, it almost, it's again, they don't get it, right? Yeah. They say, uh, who will sit at your right and your left when basically when you become this great political yeah. ruler, you know? And he's like, I can almost picture him just kind of scratching his head like, you guys just aren't getting yeah. it. You aren't getting it. What does he say, right? The son of man came not to be served, but to serve. And I, and just an amazing picture. And I, and I wonder what you think about this. Is there some significance maybe then as you zoom out in the greater life of Jesus, because his earliest ministry seems, and the way it's at least doc, at least documented here in Mark, is healing, 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 miracle, healing, healing. Before he gets to really saying some of those challenging things that we know, you know, maybe some redirecting of, of old thoughts, maybe that's a little bit later, but it always leads with that healing. Yep. Well, it kind of opens the door and some things, but you think even those healings that we see Jesus do, they're not just really to gather a crowd. What they're doing is really picturing what Jesus is doing, which is restoring. I mean, the, the miracles that Jesus performs, especially in Mark, are taking what's broken and bringing restoration. So, for example, this blind man, we're made to see. He can't see. So what Jesus is doing is he's restoring the world. He's transforming it in this picture that the kingdom of God's at hand because what he's doing is to restore God's kingdom, to cast out evil, to throw out these demons. Demons have come into this world, evils in this world. He's throwing those out, bringing it back into order, and then inviting us to follow him in light of what he has done, even because of what Jesus does, not what we do. That's good. Now, there's a story that we often associate with Jesus, a miracle, 
where he feeds a crowd of 5,000, yeah. all right? And that's a pretty typical story. If you've grown up in the church and yeah. Sunday school, you've probably heard that story. But we see in the Gospel of Mark two separate occasions with a feeding of people, of numbers in the thousands. Yeah. Mark chapter 6, a feeding of 5,000. Mark chapter 8, a feeding of 4,000. These are separate events. What's the significance here? Yeah, and that's something that has you know, baffled me for a time of why record the same miracle, especially that the second miracle seems less... Um, less exciting than the first one. So the first miracle is 5,000. The second miracle is 4,000. The the first miracle, there's five loaves and two fish to feed 5,000 people. And then the second miracle is seven loaves to feed 4,000 people. So Jesus is actually doing less the second time around. You'd think it would go up, not down. Why include that? And even the the leftovers, it's always amazing. Why are there leftovers? I mean, did Jesus not know how many people were coming? And, you know, like <laughs> he, he, it's... Well, the first one, there's 12 baskets of leftovers. So there's actually more baskets of leftovers than there was to begin with. The second time, that the feeling of the 4,000, there's seven baskets left over. Is it just a more efficient production there? And so this is where a little bit of the background geography goes on. What's probably going on is, is the feeding of the 5,000 is happening in Jewish territory. And you see Jesus as the good shepherd to the Jewish people feeding. And just to the background, 5,000, there's five books of the law, the first five books of the Bible. 12, 12 in the Bible is always going back to the 12 tribes of Israel. That's why there's 12 disciples to show Jesus is calling a new tribe, a new people. And then there's these, these five loaves, 12. But then what's interesting is the feeding of the 4,000. 4,000 was a number in associated with Gentiles or the whole world, the four corners of the earth. Um, seven was a number associated with the Gentiles, 70 nations. And so what's probably going on when you see where Jesus is at when that 4,000 miracle occurs is he's in Gentile territory. He's ministered on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So what's probably going on is 5,000 is for the Jews, 4,000 is for the Gentiles. It's, it's not showing that Jesus feeds less Gentiles than Jews, more showing that he does both, which to the Israelite mindset is he's here for the Jews, he's here for us, but he's also here to bring the Gentiles and what he does for the, he's replicating that miracle and feeding the other side. So I, that's why I think those stories are showing a greater compassion. It's not the number of people, but the kind of people that Jesus is reaching out to. He's crossing the barriers and showing that he is the Messiah for Gentiles. He is the Messiah for all the nations as God had promised. I see that insight right there. That's why people tune into this podcast. <laughs> Because I'm not going to get that from just straight reading it down. So that was great. Yeah. No, that's good work. Uh, as, as I was preparing for this, another another verse that just stuck out to me, and I think everyone is going to have their own experience, right? The Lord is going to speak to everybody, you know, uniquely as they kind of go through these. But in Mark chapter 7, uh, Jesus is sp speaking specifically to the Pharisees, and he's answering them, you know, they're challenging him as they do often here in, you know, in the, the Gospels. But uh, it says, he answered them, and, he's, and he, this is what he says. He says, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites, as it is written, and this is what he says from Isaiah, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines human commands. And, and this sticks out to me a bit because I work in church ministry. I think a lot about, you know, philosophically about church and gathering and ecclesiastical, all these things. I'm like, what are what is it we do? What is the whole point to all this? And I do wonder sometimes, and I think we all have to reconcile this and wonder, is Jesus speaking to me? Are there things in my life that mm -hmm. I have made that are man-made mm -hmm. rules, man-made commands, you know, that I am worshiping and following as opposed to maybe just being obedient to what I'm reading here in the text. I don't know, yeah. does that 
Thank I, you. I think that's exactly what we need to keep on asking ourselves. I think all of us as Christians should ask ourselves, what, what are we elevating? What are we putting up that we're really missing the point? And it's so easy to do, and you see throughout the history of God's people doing that. And I think if you look at your own life, all of our lives, we see ourselves doing that. You know, that to keep the main thing the main thing of who is the one that has come for us, Jesus, and can he speak back into our hearts? Yeah. So I think that, I think you're reading that rightly, and and it's a challenge for all of us to, to encounter ourselves. And so it's, a, it's a, again, kind of that balance, like you talked about, between Jewish audience and Gentile audience. That speaks more to the Jewish audience as to say, you have this law of Moses, you have these rules, you have these things that you're following um, that maybe I want to help, you know, sort of redefine or refocus on. Uh, but yet uh, the Gentile in me hears that and just says, you know, again, what have I created that's mm-hmm. completely outside of what God has intended that I'm now worshiping too? So there's there's a lot of great stuff in here, and I really appreciated, you know, the time to study it. What, what else, Brian? Is there anything else that stands out to you? Again, it's all rich. There's so much good stuff, yeah. but... Well, one of my favorite sections in the Gospel of Mark, so the first, you know, first few chapters, um, really first eight chapters, you see a lot of these miracles. You see one one chapter of teaching of parables. Um, but I, I love kind of going from that blind man healing that we talked about to the, the other blind man healing, Mark 8 to 10. That is, I've heard some call it the hard sayings of Jesus. And throughout there, there are so many challenging statements. So I just, like, I love to spend some time there and be challenged. So I love how that stands out. Again, it's after we see who Jesus is, he invites us and now he challenges us to follow him and to truly follow him on the way before he goes to, to suffer and that we're now following him through his suffering. So I love that element as well as just the, the action-packed nature of this gospel that kind of gets, gets you going. I'd love to have a person first gospel read, say, read Mark, you'll see the, the story of Jesus and he'll be on the move. I always say Jesus is in the boat going back and forth across the lake doing miracles and you see who he is um, firsthand in this eyewitness account. That's great. Well, Brian, I, this has been great. I really appreciate it. This is just one episode of many that are upcoming. So as you're reading along with the cover-to-cover schedule, uh, that means, of course, you're reading, as you've probably gathered, from the Gospel of Mark. We've tried to give you some background, uh, some details, some insight on some specific passages. So, Brian, as always, thank you for sharing. You're you are truly a, a wealth of knowledge, but really, and I mean this sincerely, an equally great guy to work <laughs> with behind the scenes and to, to walk with in this journey, and I really just appreciate you. So thank you for your time and for your passion. Excited to be on the journey. You've been listening to the Cover to Cover podcast, a synchronous audio experience with the Cover to Cover four-year Bible reading schedule. For more information or to sign up, visit covertocoverfc.org. For questions or comments, email us at podcast at wearefaith.org. The Cover to Cover podcast is a production of Faith Church in Dyer, Indiana, a Bible-believing, outreach-oriented, multi-site community of believers committed to changing the world one relationship at a time. More at wearefaith.org. This podcast is produced and edited by Jason Boltima and Brad Polinsa. On behalf of everyone at Faith Church, we say thank you for listening to the Cover to Cover podcast.